Andre Dawson, Hall of Famer from the Chicago Cubs, and you're listening to the Dubuque Area Baseball Podcast featuring everybody's favorite coach, Coach Manaman. Follow him on Twitter at Coach Manaman. This podcast is produced on Anchor, where you can record, edit, and publish all from your smartphone. You can find the Dubuque Area Baseball Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and any other major podcast platforms. Stepping to the batter's box. Welcome back, and thank you for joining us on this very special episode of the Dubuque Area Baseball Podcast. This is everybody's favorite coach, Coach Manaman, and I say very special episode because we have two exciting reasons why. One, this is our 50th episode that we are going to release of the Dubuque Area Baseball Podcast. Two, is we are meeting with Calvin Harris, who is the old Miss recruit, who many would argue is one of the greatest athletes and greatest high school baseball players to come through the Dubuque County area. We have old Miss commit Cal Harris, who is also the two-time Gatorade Player of the Year, three-time Elite All-State, the 2020 Cedar Rapids Gazette Male Athlete of the Year, and most importantly, he was the Dubuque Area Baseball Podcast All-Decade Player. As always, I'm joined by Andrew Redman, who's laughing at that comment, and Cal, welcome to the Dubuque Area Baseball Podcast. How's it going? It's going well. How are you doing today? I'm doing really good. You have so many accomplishments that I felt that I probably could have done an hour just introducing you with all the accomplishments and accolades you've had over your career. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, maybe to this day. Cal, I have to tell you, yesterday I suffered from a huge problem with writer's block. Um, I sat down to prep for this interview with you And the reason why I was struggling with writer's block is Jim Leitner and the Telegraph Herald, the Des Moines Register, the Cedar Rapids Gazette, and national papers have done such an amazing job covering you. And I don't just want to rehash the same thing that we've done and we've read many times. So we're going to take it a little bit different route here. Now, before we get into the baseball aspect What's something about Cal Harris? What's something about you that not a lot of people know? I mean, when I'm not doing baseball, I just kind of like to relax and just be like a normal kid and and do my thing, really. Just kind of get away from everything. Now, I saw you on draft night. I was out watching co-host Andrew Redman pitch for the Cascade Ramblers, and I saw you walk in during the middle of the MLB draft, and I was wondering, what the heck is going on? Why is Cal out watching washed-up Andrew Redman pitch, who should be pitching professional baseball right now, uh, instead of being at his phone wanting to know what's going on with the draft? So let's talk about draft night. Let's lead a path to the draft. When did you start playing baseball? 
Yeah, as far as long as I can remember, um, you know, two, three, four years old, like in my grandparents' backyard in Dubuque, and then kind of four, five, six, you know, playing town league over in Piasta and Epworth and um, some of the other small towns, obviously, around here. And you made a semi-pro debut at a very young age. When did you start playing semi-pro? Yeah, I believe my first game, I was 13. Um, I forget who we played, but I think the next night we ended up playing Key West. Um, and Rudy pitched and redhead, redhead and um, did pretty well, I remember that night. But yeah, so 13, and then I think I played maybe half a season or I mean, I was there, but I didn't play as much, obviously, as I have, you know, the last couple of years. Now, you've been a staple of the Farley semi-pro team when you're not playing high school or traveling around playing for other organizations. But what nerves did you have going through your head playing against some area legends who might have been 10 to 20 years older than you? Yeah, um, you know, kind of, I was kind of oblivious to it. Uh, like I said, Rudy started that game against us and, I just knew that he threw hard, you know, and after the game, that kind of goes, yeah, so that was, you know, varsity, high school varsity pitcher, and I kind of was like, oh, boy, like, this could be a long couple of years of high school baseball, and then he told me, Rudy threw it up for Iowa, so that made me feel a little bit better, but I don't know, I was ner- after that, I was nervous once I realized kind of who was in the league and who was playing. Now, Cal, I, I do have to ask you this question. Gary Rudin is a Hall of Famer of the show. He listens to every show. He critiques every single show. Did he get a hold of you to uh, ask you to mention Anthony and himself uh, many times prior to this interview? <laughs> no. No, he didn't. Um, I was just thinking about it. And that's, I remember Rudy throwing um, that game. So, yeah. I guess this kind of stuff Gary, happened. Gary has some fun with that, and, and Anthony is still is still bringing it to this day. Now, Cal, your group of kids at Western Dubuque were very special to me because that was also my first year coaching out there, and it was the first year that the Western Dubuque program allowed eighth graders to play, which I thought was a great move because we had two teams, and I believe we got 50 kids out for freshman baseball. You had a five-year varsity career, which is unheard of. What were the high points of your high school career, if we can reflect on those five years? Yeah, um, I would definitely say uh, sophomore and junior year, going to state, that was definitely two high points, especially sophomore year. Um, We won the first round, and then we played Irvindale that second round, and we lost. That's probably the highest point of kind of high school career and winning as a team. And We had a special group. Um, all those years, and that, that made it a lot more special. You guys did have a great group of kids. and If you had to pick some low points of your five-year career as a Bobcat, what what would it be? And it doesn't necessarily have to be baseball. It could be anything with your career. Yeah, um, I guess kind of two things. Personally, for me, when I was in eighth grade, um, I think like halfway through a season, like 22 games through a season, I was hitting like 140 maybe. Um, and that was something that I really struggled with, obviously, um, not kind of failing like that before. And it was really good for me, uh, moving forward. Then as a team, um, it was my freshman year. We played that central first round and we had one hell of a team. Gatto through that game. We went eight and third, um, through really, really well. And then we just kind of lost it there. And I think it was the ninth inning. We just kind of gave up or not gave up, but just kind of made some key mistakes and lost it. And, 
I mean, we had one hell of a team that year, and I'd say as a team, that was probably the lowest point, kind of uh, just going into that game and how we saw ourselves fit in that year. Yeah, that was an incredible game to be at. Now, looking back, reflecting on the past five years, what do you think your biggest regret would be? Um, you know, honestly, looking back, I really don't don't have a lot, um, or really any. Just kind of went out and tried to play as hard as I could each day and, and gave my team the best chance to win. Um, but yeah, I feel like kind of looking back, I, I did the most that I could with, with every year that I had. You had the opportunity growing up to play with some travel teams and with some local teams, but you also had an opportunity to play for Perfect Game and Prep Baseball Report. What are some of the more memorable moments and experiences you had playing with those teams? Yeah, um, I mean, I'd say the biggest memorable moment that I had um, was at PG National last year. Um, and not really a moment, but it's just kind of like the whole situation, such an eye-opener to see um, the talent that was, you know, throughout the country. And I guess another memorable moment, kind of a funny one for us, was we were playing for Eric Munson's team, and we were, it was the year before we went into high school, um, and we were a bunch of 13- and 14-year-olds, and somehow we get an 18-year tournament down in uh, Perfect Games facility down in Georgia. And uh, Briggsy, Briggsy and Brett Featherston were coaching our team. So, um uh, we had we had quite a group of guys going, but uh, we somehow get matched up against this team who had like, 22 guys in the team. 21 of them were committed Division One, and we were just like 13, 14. We were really nervous, whatever. And we were down 14 runs or something. And some bit, he's like six five comes up to bat, and Payne Quagano. I don't know if you guys know Payne Quagano. Oh yeah, he's out. Yeah, he's out in right field. The fence is like three thirty, whatever. And uh, he's playing 10 feet from the fence. And this kid hits one so hard. One hopper. Peyton doesn't have time to react. It hits him in the chest. Peyton, like, passes out on the ground. He's, like, <laughs> laying there. And Ben comes. Whoever was playing center field runs over, picks up the ball, and throws it in. And then a couple of innings later, Peyton gets on base. He's, like, one of the only base runners we had all game because they threw some kid who's really good. And uh, the first baseman was a kid who hit it. And he's, like, dude, you're okay. And Peyton's like, I still can hardly breathe. But <laughs> that, was probably, that was probably one of the funnier moments um, of playing with those travel teams. Now, you did have a moment where you played on a field that was a replica to Fenway Park. And I believe you won the uh, MVP either of the game or that tournament. Was that what you were talking about in Georgia? Like the All-American game except for 14-year-olds. Um and yeah, so we played down there, and that was, I mean, that experience too, and the All-American game last fall was really a special experience, especially playing on um, Big League Field. I've worked with some of the biggest names in the game of baseball. Uh, Mr. Johnson, Chris Johnson, friend of mine, former player, former assistant coach for me, he teaches math out at Western Dubuque. He said there'd be times where you would uh, not be in class because you were taking BP with Nomar Garcia-Para somewhere. So who are some of the big names that you've had the chance to work with, and what were some uh, advice or tips that they gave you along the way? Yeah, so I guess I'll start with Eric. Eric's always been um, really big, obviously, here in the Dubuque area. He's done, I mean, tremendous job. And I guess the big thing, 
a couple of big things that Eric, he always keeps it simple. You know, it's always, it's always approach based or timing, whatever. Um, I think it was the one day I wasn't catching the ball right or something like Eric. I messed up my thumb this weekend. I had a thumb guard or something. He threw it in the trash and said, learn how to catch a baseball. You know, just kind of stuff like that, which I thought was, was pretty funny. But, um, yeah, Eric, um, Blake Doyle, I worked with Blake Doyle. He was the Rocky City coach um, for three, four years, and he has his uh, Doyle Academy down in Florida. Worked with him quite a bit, and it's the same thing. I mean, I would say the biggest thing that I took from well, both of them, especially is they just kind of condense everything down and keep it simple. And then it's kind of like a C-ball, hit-ball type, type approach. I mean, not necessarily, but – you know, kind of at the bottom line, like once you get in the batter's box, you can't think and just see it and hit it. I'd say those, that's probably the biggest thing that I took away from those guys. And Cal, around draft time, you made the rounds to the different facilities. You did You did mention Eric Munson from Gold Standard Athletics. I strongly suggest you t- check him out. Great guy, great business. You also did take a trip down to uh, Fairfax, Iowa to work out at Dugout Sports. Now, great facility, by the way, as well. Now, you caught some of the major leaguers and some of the minor leaguers that were working out there during COVID. What was the difference between catching those guys? I mean, those are major league caliber arms. What did they have that, you know, high school kids need to have in order to get to that level? Yeah, I would say the biggest thing, and yeah, like you said, Fairfax, that really, I mean, that's incredible, incredible place down there. Jay Wano does like awesome job um, getting guys in, especially like live at bats after that. But I'd say the biggest thing is Mitch Keller, who actually threw for the Pirates yesterday, got a win, um, threw five innings for him. Catching him, kind of, he's got a routine, everything specific. You know, he sets up his rap soto and he, he measures it out. Everything's like you know, specific to the millimeter, it's got to be perfect. Um, and then you kind of see some, not necessarily like uh, minor league guys because they all have a schedule and a program and everything that they're doing. But, you know, if you get high school kids that come in and, you know, whoever asks them, hey, what are you throwing today? And they're like, well, yeah, I might throw this, throw that. How many, throw, how many pitches are you throwing? You know, and Mitch would be like, if it's 32 pitches, he's throwing 32 pitches. If it's 47 pitches, it's 47, and that's it, you know. Or that's, he gets up to there. And then, um, like, some of the high school kids just might be like, yeah, you know, I'll do this. And that, you know, not really anything specific. So I'd say that's probably the biggest thing. Um, and because just the attention to detail was, uh, was incredible seeing those guys. Did you have a chance to catch A.J. Puck at all? He was thrown there quite a bit. No, I didn't. Unfortunately, the one day um, that I needed a catcher, he always, a lot of those guys bring in their own catchers. And I was fortunate that, um, one of their guys that uh, catches for him was turkey hunting or something, and then I was able to catch him uh, um, for like a month and a half there, a month. But uh, the one day I was supposed to catch AJ, he had arm soreness or, or something, so I wasn't able to, unfortunately. And and we wish AJ well. He did just go on the uh, disabled list for the Oakland A's. Now, we're at draft night. You and I are at Farley Park watching Andrew Redman, who I think fell asleep in the background. He's been staying silent, throw a two-hitter against the Cascade Reds. He looked very sharp that night. Who calls you on draft night? Who who wants to take you? Where do they where do they want to take you? Yeah, um, so just kind of going in, you know, I just kind of, you know, if, if you get your hopes up and it doesn't happen, then, you know, everything's just kind of, 
devastating and you can't really mentally it's tough to come back from that but uh you know just kind of going in i'm like hopefully i get a call or two or, or whatever and luckily i ended up getting two calls um one from the san diego padres and one from the chicago white Sox. um and they called me i want to say it was like middle of the second round um in that area and they wanted to take me in the fourth and fifth round um and just kind of the numbers didn't match up of, of where the uh, money needed to be. And like you said, I mean, I knew before I went out, I went out end of the fourth inning, um, off the Farley tournament, and I knew that, you know, I wasn't getting drafted or whatever. But, yeah, so that's just kind of how it all went down. Pretty, I mean, pretty simple, um, pretty unchaotic, as you would kind of expect it to be. Now, Cal, I, I do want to play a little bit of de- devil's advocate with you here. So I'm going to say things that Ivy ever either heard or read in the media and I want you to give me your honest opinion on that and Redman I'm sure you've heard some too that aren't listed so feel free to throw some out here all right so if you didn't play football you would have gotten drafted higher because the injuries took a toll on your draft stock some injuries playing football but you know looking back I love football I want to I want to change anything about how that um, all went down and um, really the kind of thing that hurt me the most was uh, this spring um, we were playing and I had a good first weekend um, in spring league and then there's going to be a few guys that were coming in um, at the national scouting level and um, unfortunately we got shut down that week so that kind of put an end to the spring season but yeah I think looking back I mean honestly I thought football helped me um, become a better baseball player better athlete overall and just look at the memories you made. Other one that I hear quite often, playing high school baseball for Western Dubuque hurt your draft stock as well. If you would have played travel all over the country, you would have faced better competition and you would have been in front of more scouts. Yeah, um, you know, you would have faced better competition would have been in front of more scouts. I guess for me personally, um, you know, at Western View Community, the high school is extremely important, extremely small town oriented, as you know, kind of being out there and coaching and whatnot. Um, but I felt that high school baseball was something that was really important to me, really important to the guys that um, I grew up with and always played with. So, um, yeah, you know, you could have played better competition and whatnot, but Coach Bryant, you know, was, was very supportive of some of the times I had to leave for, you know, the national showcase or other PG events or some of the other stuff that I had to do over the years. So, I mean, yeah, you, you know, like I said, you can see better competition, but high school was really very important for me. Now, I've heard rumors about MLB scouts coming to football games and coming to football practice. What were Major League Baseball scouts doing showing up to games and practice? Yeah, well, football, football games. Um, but yeah, they were just coming to meet you. Like we always went over to Q's before the game, and um, a couple of the guys from the Rangers stopped over and just kind of meet them and, and talk to them a little bit. But um, kind of more, you know, intangibles. You know, like I don't know, you look at toughness, just kind of overall athlete. Obviously, being a catcher, you're not out and running and kind of showing athleticism as much as you would be if you're playing shortstop or center field or something like that. Um, but, you know, with our offense in high school, um, I was in football, I was out in the run and um, throwing on the run, throwing around the ball, I mean, just kind of doing everything that I could. 
Coach Redman, any devil's advocate things you'd like to throw in there? Nothing with the devil's advocate. Um, but, Cal, I guess I do have a question. Uh, um, it kind of leads back to the semi-pro, and I guess I have a comment before the question. I guess I, I've probably seen you play more baseball games than anybody in the area. I mean, I know there's been times where you played your high school games. Um, I don't know if it was a 5:30 game or what it was. And then there's a game over in Cascade. Switch your jersey out. You're ready to go for the Farley Hawks. So, um, you know, how has how is playing that many games and playing semi-pro, you know, for the last five years, how much has that had an impact on you, I guess, between the games and the semi-pro? Yeah, um, I would say big time. And like you said, like a lot of times, like, I, like me and Dylan still talk about it. We talked about it last week. We had a doubleheader against West Delaware the one night. Worthington tournament got delayed or whatever. We played the doubleheader. We drove down cleats and everything. I think Dylan, like, averaged 95 miles an hour going down to Worthington. <laughs> past, past his family members who weren't too happy. Um, but, and then played that night and, um, we didn't get done. It's like one thirty, and then the same thing, um, in Cascade, we played district championship, uh, won the sub-state championship and, uh, my junior year and then played down in Cascade and Starsville. Um, and I, I enjoy it a lot, um, because, you know, high school and semi-pro are a little bit different. Semi-pro, everybody, you know, guys want to be there. There's like an option. High school, if you kind of go out, you kind of go out, you know, it's not really as much of a, I don't know, choice to really be there. I mean, yes, you go out, but at the same time, you know, it's just kind of like we're here, let's, let's just kind of play. Um, but I would say, you know, just kind of playing all those games, you you experience a lot of different pitching. Obviously, you know, if, we're, if I'm facing you, I'm going to see, you know, a lot more stuff than if we're facing high school, and you just kind of have to adjust either way and really ability to adjust and kind of gear how you're, you know, playing towards, towards uh, like the different guys you're with is kind of the biggest thing that I've learned. Yeah, that's great. I mean, it's, it's been a pleasure to see kind of how you've developed over the last, you know, five years. Cause you know, initially I, I saw you the most on the semi-pro circuit. Uh, obviously you always saw basically some of the best competition around because Farley was always in the bottom bracket with us. I mean, I think for about two years there, every first round we were playing you guys, unless it was a Farley tournament, then we'd probably meet you in the championship game. But uh, yeah, like I said, it, it's been a pleasure. And, you know, I think for all the kids that are listening into this, you know, the amount of games that you played and the experience that you had, it, it makes a difference, you know, just, you know, if there's, if there's high schoolers that, that want to play semi-pro baseball in the area, um, and that are, you know, obviously that are good enough, you know, it's, it's something that would be, would be good for them to do because you can add in, what do you usually add in per summer? An extra 20 games, 25 games? Yeah, maybe even 25 or 30. I mean, quite yeah. a few. Yeah, yeah. I, I can definitely, yeah, I mean, just seeing how you've developed, um, I think, I think that's probably been important, facing guys like Rudy, facing guys like myself, and then being able to catch guys like Seabrook and Gatto, uh, mm-hmm. I think that's, that's been cool. But, yeah, no, like I said, it's been a pleasure to see you develop um, over the last few years. Thank you. Yeah, like you said, kind of backing off that experiencing, um, there's a lot of guys in the league that have been around baseball for 30, 40, 50 years, sometimes 60, you know. But um, mm-hmm. just a lot of baseball knowledge and just kind of baseball IQ is is the biggest thing I've probably taken from semi-pro baseball, along with, you know, playing some – really good competition.
you know, I, I reflect back on past episodes and we had Rachel Bolkovec, who was the first female hire by an organization on the hitting aspect of it for the New York Yankees. And it sounds like a lot of what she suggests you're doing and she, her biggest suggestion was to play against better competition. So you talked about being 13 years old, playing against an 18 year old team and then playing semi-pro um, at a young age and facing guys like uh, Redman and Rudy and, and a bunch of those other guys really helped you progress. Now, Let's talk about Old Miss and beyond. What was it about Old Miss that made you commit to them all the way back in 2017 on October 28th? Yeah, uh, I would say the biggest thing is the people that they have in the program. Um, they have first-class people. And then, they get, and then the kids that they bring into the program are first-class people, um, high-character people. Um, and backing off of that, and along with the coaches, actually, too, they're all catchers. So that was like a really big thing for me and kind of something that set them apart. And then just the atmosphere, Swayze Field and, and uh, the fans, um, they bring in 10, 11,000 people a night, um, which is incredible. I know like the weekend I went down, the first weekend I went down was Mississippi State weekend. So, I mean, there was 13,000 people there and it was, it was, it was incredible. Coach Bryant told me about this. You talked about how you were there um, on your invite and he said that, the old Miss baseball fans are great baseball fans, and that when you were there at the game, there were people that already knew who you were, already knew what you had accomplished, and, and already uh, knew what you were doing in, in Western Dubuque, and already had your scouting report even before you stepped on the field to play for Old Miss. Yeah, um, I guess the one time I went down there, somebody had mentioned it to me, and they said, they said my name, and I was like, what in the world? You know, what's going on? And um, But, yeah, they just kind of mentioned some of that stuff um, that I had done in, uh, at Western Dubuque. And then even, like, an article, uh, I don't know, like, a couple months ago or something like that, they had, like, all my football stats in there, and I was just kind of taken away by or taken back by how much that they knew um, outside of baseball that I had done. Now, do you know what their plans are going to be for you with guys um, coming back to play their senior year? I I had read somewhere that there might be a move to the infield away from catcher. There might be a move to the outfield because somebody is coming back. Um, has there been any conversation about that? Um, no, I guess I haven't personally had any conversation with them about it. Um, when we did our gloves, I, had, I did an outfield and a catcher's mitt. Obviously, right now, um, they have one of the top catchers in the country. Um, and I guess I kind of look at it as iron sharpens iron. So, you know, even even if maybe I'm not good enough to catch, if I can hit and play the, play the outfield or play infield or wherever they need me to play or not play at all or whatever helps the team the most, um, and then get better as catcher, obviously, like I said, iron sharpens iron. Um, but, yeah, I mean, just kind of going down and, and doing the best I can, seeing, seeing where the cards fall. Yeah, and it'll be great to learn from him. And, and I know when I played, the best seasons that I had was when I was in a strong position battle with, with somebody who may have been a little bit older, a little bit more talented than I was. Now, we had a question come in from a huge high school baseball fan, and they are a huge Iowa baseball fan. They had asked if they could remain anonymous but 
this person is confident that if you would have taken the offer from the University of Iowa, you would have been the man down there for three years and would have ended up being the face of the Iowa baseball program beyond your time there. Now, why didn't you take the offer from the University of Iowa? Yeah, um, I just, uh, first off, um, Coach Sutherland and Coach Heller, um, I guess I used to work with Marty um, back at the old BLA uh, Academy. He was like my heading coach back when you know, I was, geez, I don't know, eight or nine. So I've known him for quite a while, and my dad's known Rick for quite a while, and I can't say enough good things about those guys. They're awesome, um, absolutely awesome. And I've actually fortunately been around a lot of the guys that they brought into the program, just kind of playing for perfect game. Um, and even a lot of other guys came out and played for Worthington this year so far. Um, but I guess the biggest thing is I just kind of wanted to play in warm weather, um, and I wanted to play in one of the top conferences in, in the country, in the SEC. So it kind of goes back to the iron sharpens iron thing top-notch and you know you're playing in warm weather year-round and so that was kind of the big the two biggest factors for me um but like i said i can't say enough good things about um iowa and the program that they have there and the coaches that they have there i i don't blame you for wanting to play in warm weather i absolutely hate the cold weather and refuse to go to college games in the area unless it's above 65 degrees which is tough in february March and April. Coach Redman, before we get into our two Dr. Phil moment questions, do you have anything that you would like to add or ask on the uh, baseball or training aspect or anything that you had in your back pocket that you were waiting to break out? Uh, no, I think uh, the big one was the one I asked before. Uh, just, you know, I'm excited. You know, I guess the comment I'm going to make is I'm just excited to see, you know, kind of what happens with your future. You know, you've always been somebody that's worked hard. Uh, I, I don't know if I've ever seen you jog down the baseline before and you're always running out to your position, which I've respected a lot. Um, so no questions, just that comment. Uh, keep it rolling. Thank you. Yeah. There's a lot going on in Dubuque with, with local players doing some great things. It's a really exciting time for the baseball community. Now, I'm going to flip the switch here. Flip the switch here. I'm no longer uh, Coach Manaman. I'm Dr. Phil, the therapist here. Who inspires Cal Harris? Um, you know, to be, uh, I would say, you know, if you're looking at like a major league level, um, I wear 17 in high school, Chris Bryant. And kind of like for the same things Red said, he always hustles out his position. He always hustles down the baseline. Um, he's a first-class guy, um, and he worked, you know, he works super hard. So I'd say like at a major league level, that's kind of who inspires me. And, and like kind of like on a personal level, I've always said my grandfather's, um, not necessarily for sports. Um, actually, my great-grandfather was, played minor league ball. He was a catcher, um, and that kind of inspired me to be a catcher. Too, just because my grandpa had his old mask and glove and everything, I walked past that every time, you know, I went to their house. Um, but just their work ethic, work ethic and their dedication to whatever, you know, like I said, it doesn't have to be sports or baseball in general, but just kind of their dedication and work ethic to uh, everything that they do has been really inspiring to me. Is your grandpa Terry? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Terry. I tell you, he's he's a great guy. Uh, Coach Redman and I, we went to see you play at senior in that game where it got ended because of darkness, because in 2020, we, we do yeah. not have lights. And 
Coach Redman and I were talking about you and, and we were sharing some things and your grandpa turned around and he goes, guys, I'm going to give it to you straight. I hear you talking and you're wrong. Here's what it is and here's how it broke down. And then he turned around and watched the rest of the game. And I don't think we talked to him the rest of the night. And I, and I said, I said, I think that's Cal's grandpa. And he goes, yeah, it is. I'm sure, I'm sure Terry heard us there, but, uh, but that, that was, that was pretty funny. Uh, Terry, Terry seemed like a great guy. Yeah, he's he's awesome. No, he's funny. And that's that's the way he is. I think there's something with I did I was backing in a boat trailer once at, at his house and it was dark out and I couldn't see out the side side mirror, so I like looked in looked in the rear view mirror or like looked trailer looks behind me and I'm like, Yeah, I, and I was I backed it up about as perfect as you can back it up. And he's like, So I like he's like, You just side mirrors ago, no, I looked out the back, he goes, You look out the back, you fail. And so it's just kind of how it is. Like, it's you know, but yeah, it's just kind of the way it is. He's awesome, though. He's I, awesome. You had me nervous there because when I asked you who inspired you, and you started talking about a major league baseball player, I'm like, man, you're gonna get a lot of grief from your family if you don't throw a family member out there. So, uh, so thanks for uh, taking out my follow up question uh, there. Now. Last question I have for you, unless uh, Coach Redman jumps in and wants to add something, but 20 years down the road, I'm guessing you're 18, so you'll be 38 like me. You'll be wearing a hair tie to keep your hair out of your eyes, trying to hold on to whatever little hair you have left. How does Cal Harris at 38 want to be remembered? Yeah, um, kind of for more than sports, I would say just kind of somebody who you know, I've been fortunate to be successful at sports, but kind of like the intangibles, like Red said, always running out to my position, always hustling, doing things the right way, um, playing the game the right way. Um, those are the biggest things, you know, not necessarily, you know, if I hit a home run, but, you know, was I a good person, you know, whether I was 0 for 4, 4 for 4, or stuff like that. I would say that's that's the biggest thing that, you know, I'd want to be remembered by or, you know, whatever. Coach Redman, I'll let you throw in your final thoughts before I throw in mine, and then we end this podcast with a podcast-killing double play. <laughs> yeah, that's great, Cal. Yeah, that's uh, you know that's that's kind of always been my philosophy as well, um, just in terms of how do you want to be remembered. So, you know, you're definitely on the right track, and you know that. So, like I said before, uh, we appreciate you coming on and doing this, and, and good luck in the future, hopefully. Um, Hopefully with Ole Miss, you can get some playing time early on and, you know, keep learning from some of those great players down there and the coaches. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I'll agree with you 100% is you are a phenomenal person. You're a phenomenal kid. And, yeah, you've worked your tail off to become a great baseball player. But every interview I've ever read about you, or anything I've ever watched about you, it either always starts with, or if it doesn't start with, it ends with how great of a kid you are and how you always give your teammates credit. It's not just about you. It's always about your teammates. And I've never had a conversation about Cal Harris that did not include either me 
or somebody saying, yeah, he's a great baseball player, but he's a much better person than he is a baseball player. And I hope you don't take that as a knock against your baseball game because your baseball game is out of this world. But the person you are and the person that you've become really made um, this community make it easy for everybody to support you and, and root you on as, as you continue in your baseball career. And just like that, 643, we're out of here. Post game show is brought to you by Christ, I can't find it. The hell with it. Thank you for listening to the Dubuque Area Baseball Podcast. You can find us on social media, Facebook and Instagram by searching Dubuque Area Baseball Podcast. And you can follow me on Twitter at Coach Manaman. Go to Apple Podcasts, give us a five-star review, find us on Spotify, and subscribe.